A reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has sent by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Ascension, it just means go up. To ascend, it's like when you've seen your child, or any child perhaps, you've seen a child in a parking lot with a balloon, lose the balloon, and the balloon takes off into the sky, and it ascends and goes up and up and up and up, until eventually it is out of sight. The saying is, what goes up must come down. That's provoked by the theory of gravity. The understanding that there is always a pull, that whatever goes up eventually will be drawn back to the earth. In a sense, that's what Luke is communicating to us in this text. Jesus seems to be away from us right now. He has gone into heaven, but this same Jesus who went into heaven, the one who ascended to the throne that God prepared for him, that same one will come again. What goes up must come down. But what about the meantime? We can look to this and understand that Christ has been enthroned for our benefit and that eventually Christ will return to settle all things, to judge all peoples. There will be a resurrection, the just to life and the unjust to death. 
Christ will judge. And as we heard Paul say last week, the one who died for us is the one who will judge us. And that comforts us. That return we wait for. But how should we wait? The ascension promises something yet to come. What goes up must come down. But it also promises something about the here and now. About who the church is. What it is called to be. The doctor of the church, the Reverend Martin Luther, the great reformer, suggested that the deeper meaning of the ascension is that it allows Christ to be present to all of us at the same time. For Jesus of Nazareth, the risen Christ, could only be present in one place at one time. And so Jesus said, I must ascend into heaven. I must go to the Father so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And Paul would add to that, but the Spirit is Christ and Christ is the Spirit because Christ is the second person of the Trinity and therefore Christ is God and God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three completely separable persons, not three distinct persons, but three persons in one being. And so Christ gives the life-giving breath of God to us. Christ sends the Spirit. The Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son to come to us. And it is the very same Christ who comes, for it is the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Father, who comes to us to dwell in us. And so we rightly say that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit lives in our heart, lives in us. That is the very best of what we mean when we say that we have asked Christ into our heart that we have knowledge that God gives the Holy Spirit to each of us who have been baptized into his church. That is one of the promises of the sacrament of holy baptism, that in it we receive the Spirit poured out on the earth. That as we are surrendered to the waters of Christ's death and resurrection, we receive the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God. Likewise, when we receive the sacrament of Holy Communion, we receive the life of Christ. The risen one present in the cup and the bread gives himself to us, gives his very life to us by the same power of the same given Holy Spirit to make us one with him, one with the Father and one with each other so that we can be one in ministry to all the world. And what Martin Luther was teaching the church is that because Christ is embodied in the church and the world, then Christ can be everywhere to all people. That the word of Christ can be preached everywhere and to all people. That Christ can go into all places now. Through the church. This is what the ascension means for us in the present. That because he has ascended, Christ can send the blessed spirit to bless us with the gifts that we need to be his hands and feet, to be his body here on earth. And so St. Paul calls us indeed the body of Christ. 
It is an act of grace, this giving of the Spirit. For grace is not just the unmerited favor of God, but it is the active presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, healing you and pardoning you from sin, setting you free from it and giving you new life so that you can be emboldened to proclaim the name of the one who has judged you here and invited you forward to repent of your sin and have new life in him. The one who says to you, come for the kingdom is at hand. And that brings us to a second thing I want to say about the ascension. It is the enthroning of Jesus the Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, the risen Christ, is enthroned in heaven. He sits over everything waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. And so he truly does have a kingdom. It is not just lip service. It is not a way of speaking about the church that elevates us. It is a way of acknowledging that when we become the church, we are elevated into him. Because he is king of kings and lord of lords. He truly does have a kingdom and we are it. But so are those who don't yet know it. So are those who oppose the kingdom, for they still are under his rule. And Christ gives us the spirit to serve that kingdom, to be that kingdom, to be the life and love of that kingdom. Because here's the thing that always strikes me when I speak about Christ sitting on a throne. As I remember from my world history classes all through school, learning about how all these tyrants and dictators and governments have set themselves up on the backs of the poor and the oppressed, how thrones have been built in the pools of blood that tyrants shed to form their own rule, how the kings of this world have oppressed and beaten and bore down on and killed all who they would subject to themselves to their own idiosyncrasies and to their own whims. But Christ Jesus gave his own blood to form this kingdom. Christ Jesus himself suffered to form this kingdom so that our suffering might end. His kingdom is different than any we might ever speak of in that one and beautifully particular way. It is not the people who die so that the kingdom is formed, but the king who dies, and the king who is raised, and the king who is enthroned. The ascension is a reminder that Christ is king. This story serves notice that he has gone into God's presence. That is the metaphor of the cloud. When they were looking and a cloud hid him from their eyes, it is a metaphor for the presence of God, the same metaphor that's used on Mount Moriah with Moses, the same metaphor that Jesus and John and Peter and James encounter at the transfiguration. A cloud comes and hides him from their eyes. He goes into the presence of the Father. The book of Hebrews contains two of my favorite verses about this event. I want to share those with you. 
In chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, you read this. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, the place of power. Dear ones, I wonder if you heard that instruction that the writer of Hebrews gives us. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. If we truly want to be a functioning part of the kingdom of God, if we want to get off the bench and get into the game, if we want to be the hands and feet and the body of Christ in the world, to be those people who go out and announce the good news that the tyrants and horrible rulers of this world have been overthrown, that there is a new one on the throne who gave his very life for us. If we want to be vessels of that word, the first thing we must do is fix our eyes on him. Pondering him seated at the throne of God. Because dear ones, there's danger in being self-directed. In being self-ruling and thinking that we have control of all of our thoughts and actions. That we get to do whatever we want to do and it's okay because we can ask forgiveness later. And Jesus will forgive us and take us to heaven. That doesn't sound like kingdom living. That doesn't sound like serving a king on a throne, especially a king who died for you. That sounds like taking advantage of a king. That sounds like thinking that he works for you or somehow you get to rule him. That somehow you get to say something and if you say it just right, he has to do it. Think of all of the ramifications of that kind of thinking. That we can have Christ but not have the life. That we can somehow have the gift of heaven but not be part of the kingdom. It is an impossibility for heaven is nothing more than the kingdom of God. Jesus said that eternal life was knowing God. And knowing God is to enter into the kingdom of the ascendant Jesus. The one who sits on the throne. He gave his life for you. Didn't get elected. Didn't offer up a bunch of handy campaign thoughts and promises trying to convince you that if you vote for him, your life will be perfect. He didn't swoop down out of some northern kingdom and rape and pillage our, our, our people. He didn't swoop in and kill whoever he saw or opposed his right to have the treasures of whatever country he invaded. Instead, he walked in unassuming and suffered for us. Of empire that haunts us to this very day. The powerful who would have us be dependent on them and cowering at their feet. 
afraid that they might cut us off from the tit of government. But Jesus invites us to come and be free because he has paid the price already. His kingdom has no entry fee. There is no cover charge. There's no requirement from you save that you believe that he is king. That you put your faith and your trust in him. Surely this is so much easier to do than to put our faith and trust in human government. The ascension is the absolute and utter beginning of the eternal kingdom of God. And Jesus sits on the throne of that kingdom waiting to receive you, inviting you to come and be his body. And so this week, the stage is set for next week for the giving of the Spirit at Pentecost, for the seal that marks us as being people who belong to the kingdom of Christ. And Jesus ascends so that he can send that Spirit And as the beloved Dr. Luther said, so that he can be everywhere, present to all people through the church. You are the kingdom of Christ. If you have faith in him, if you call him Lord, you are part of his kingdom here on earth. Whether we're gathered gathered in this building or not, the kingdom goes on. And the work of the kingdom goes on. And when we take our eyes off of him. When we forget his commands. We do that kingdom a disservice. Remember your Lord who sits enthroned in heaven. Remember that you are his ambassador in the earth. In your town, in your community, and in your home. In the grocery store, the gas station, wherever you go. You represent him in the world. Be his people. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.